Before we start, we want to let you know we've launched a Patreon page where supporters can receive perks like bonus episodes and exclusive content. Because Pop Fiction Women is our passion project, a place where we give women space to show up and offer in-depth analysis in the ways we're used to hearing about male creators and their characters. We delve into creativity and psychology with a dash of astrology, and we have so much fun doing it. Just two friends breaking down books, movies, and shows like Normal People, Fleabag, and I May Destroy You. Every single aspect of this podcast we do ourselves, from the preparation to the recording, from the editing to the social media promotion. So we're adding a Patreon platform because we want to keep making the show you love and hopefully expand it even further. So please consider becoming one of our most complicated fans and contributing on Patreon. To learn more, go to patreon.com forward slash pop fiction women. This is Pop Fiction Women. I'm Corinne. I'm Kate. And we're complicated. Blunt. Total boss. But sometimes a mess. Opinionated. But never boring. And in this podcast, we're discussing the complicated women of the best books, TV, and movies. Along with the complicated women behind the scenes. Warning, lots of spoilers ahead. So come back when you're done. Hurry up, it's starting. Today, we are talking about Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine by Gail Honeyman. So I really refuse to read the back of this book. I find it, did you find it to be terribly misleading? It is actually. Yeah. (laughs) In many ways, right? Yes. And I just reread it today and we did not talk about this in advance. And I happened to reread it again today too. And I thought the same thing. I mean, I understand that they don't want to give a lot away, but it's it's misleading. It almost makes this seem like a chiclet kind of book. Yeah. Right? Like this woman is down in the dumps and some big hearted man is going to come ta- change her life. But in my copy uh, paperback, there's an introduction that's at the very back of the book, mm. obviously. <laughs> and I thought that was much better suited to to sort of give a background. And since we already know... We are full of spoilers on this podcast. I'm going to read it. It's 29-year-old accounting clerk Eleanor Oliphant tends to stick to her routine. Work all week, buy supermarket pizza and two bottles of vodka on Friday. Spend the weekend alone in a drunken stupor waiting for Monday to arrive. Eccentric, awkward, and judgmental, Eleanor might sound like the very definition of an anti-heroine. Yet she is refreshingly honest and utterly relatable. Two events begin to coax Eleanor out of her shell. First, she develops an unexpected crush on a local musician, Johnny, and despite never having met him, embarks on an imaginary love affair. Second, Eleanor and her colleague Raymond rescue an injured elderly man, Sammy, and this act of kindness sets off a ripple effect in which she builds a relationship with Sammy and his family and forges a friendship with Raymond. Raymond's friendship saves Eleanor from herself in ways large and small, and at his urging, she agrees to see a counselor. As she begins to heal, her past is revealed to her, and a stunning twist casts the events of the novel in a brand new light. Yes. Right? That was much better. Yes. In any event, Eleanor Oliphant, what what do you what do we think about her? Is she complicated? Corinne, Corinne. So I I I don't I I'm very confused about Eleanor and my feelings for her. So if I'm Mm. perfectly honest, 
she was just a, it was a strange character for me very yes, hard yes. for me not just to relate to personally i mean of course none of these traumatic things that we'll talk about i'm sure, sure. later have happened to me of course but there's been lots of characters that we've talked about in these episodes where i don't have anything really in common or similar with them yet i feel right. some kind of connection so Understood, so yes. this one was just a little hard for me she's she's very odd and quirky and yes it yes. was it was hard for me to get into her as a character and into the book really for a while i would say it was one of right. those with a slow start for me but okay. i did come around ultimately and i did find yeah. her very endearing and I do think she meets a lot of our factors and I do think she has yeah, amazing yeah. growth from beginning to end her arc. So I did come around, I will say. Okay. Uh, well, I was going to say the fact that she confused you, I think that kind of is the- automatically qualifies her yes. right, as a complicated woman as far as our analysis goes. She's surprising. But- Yes, surprising, Mm -hmm. which is funny because she is also kind of predictable. She follows a very rigid schedule and she's very routined and does not do anything differently. But I think the character, that person was unpredictable or surprising. It certainly was to me as well. Yes. I mean, she's certainly blunt. She has no filters (laughs) and very little self-awareness. And so she says things out loud that most people would never think of saying. So and she doesn't give a fuck. I mean, she she just she's because she's really sort of unaware of social conventions or if she is aware of them, she just doesn't care. So it's very refreshing in that sense because she doesn't seem to be influenced by, you know, ideas or social pressures to conform. And even when she does do those things to change her appearance, for example, when she gets her hair cut or the bikini wax or makeup, even that, I saw that more as part of her desire to to make real changes in her life. Mm -hmm. I feel like she's doing it for herself to change for the better, not so that she can conform to, you know, what society wants. Or to win over Johnny. But certainly, she. so it's far more personal than it is about her wanting to conform, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, compared to the other women we've talked about in the other episodes, that she might have the most growth from beginning mm, of the book yes, to the end, yes. right? It's I, fairly yes. dramatic, her, her arc. Dramatic. And we look for that, as you know, to see that someone wants to change, has some sort of inner conflict, and by the end really, really grows. And she's at this point in the beginning where she does want to change. You know, she's she's survived some really horrible, traumatic experiences, but never really addressed them. And she's at the point where she realizes that going on like that is just not tenable. And And not only has she not addressed them, she's really, really repressed a lot. Absolutely. There's just stuff that she's not even consciously aware of. Right. And even though she mistakenly believes the answer to that is marrying this musician she's never met, it it doesn't matter that it that that's the catalyst. It's that she actually is at least aware and and wants to do something to change. I completely agree because that it is just the catalyst for change and she's and since it's not even real she's projecting really it's driven by her she wants to change and she's now chosen him as the focus like okay this is a reason to change this is a reason to 
you know, sort of be more connected to society. Yeah. And she doesn't know how. I read Gail Honeyman said that although she had a fairly catastrophic start, Eleanor is the agent of her own life. I didn't want her to be portrayed as a victim and I didn't want her to be self-pitying either. And I think Mm -hmm. she does a really good job of that. I, I agree. Yes. Yeah. Almost so that if you think about this character from the outside, she is terrible. Like if you met her in your office or, you know, this is not someone you want to be in contact with at all. But the fact that she gives us so much of her thought process, what's going on in her mind, and not just in the present, but also in the past and and how she got these sort of ways of thinking, Mm -hmm. that's what really helps endear her to us and, and balance that out. Because on the outside, she is just one way and it is pretty awful. Yeah, it completely. Yeah. And and so her co-workers, for example, they have no idea what she's no. been through. And she, to them, mm-hmm. she does just seem weird and aloof and she's yeah. antisocial. And, and that was, I yeah. think, also one of the things Honey, Honeyman talks about in some articles that, you know, you just never know what people have been through. And you just look at someone yeah. and go, well, that person's kind of weird or awkward. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes there's reasons for that. Yes. Yes. So she's um, very complex. And we get it right in the beginning. I think we get enough of Eleanor right away. And then page 26, we're already into talking about mummy. And how mummy has always said she was ugly. And you're like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? Mm-hmm. That's terrible. Your mother has uh, told you you were ugly? Even before the fire and her scars, mm-hmm. which she calls them then. I mean, so we really get real taste that there's something else we get that sense and and she doesn't let anyone know and let them in at at least you know we know up until this point she then starts to with Raymond and Sammy but so you can't blame these other people really they just oh yeah she she isolated herself absolutely just to that she has a real rock bottom moment that Mm. I think we not all our characters yes. have but yes. but I mean and it's not just a moment it's it's oh it's, yes it's called the, bad days it's like a yes. whole section section yes. of the book yeah where yeah. she has to go from the lowest point and mm-hmm. and sort of dig her way out of that and I think that allows us to see her layers and and gives yes. her growth arc as I'm talking about a real point from which to start from Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There, I think there's no doubt that by the last third of the book, we're we're looking at a really truly complicated character. It's the first mm-hmm. two thirds where you're just not sure where she falls. You're not sure what's going on there. You know, there's more, and that it kept me intrigued. Frankly, I just I was hooked right away by Eleanor. I really was. It was unintentionally funny the way she dealt with the world but also you could see what was going on at home like drinking so much and not seeing anyone in her isolation and uh, I thought and the but also the way she presented it I was so hooked I really was I'm not sure I would ever want to spend any time with her (laughs) even at the end of the book but as a reader I really want to know where this is going I I, I'm I'm hooked I was surprised that I was not as hooked yeah. because I do think that your reaction seems to be the more common one to this. And like I said, I got there, but it was a little bit of a slower 
reel in for me, even though it was clear that there were these clues of things. I did want to find out, of course, what was going on. But that was also, it was kind of obvious, I thought, at least the the fire and that there had to be a, I figured Mm -hmm. there was a sibling or sister. That part was pretty obvious to me, even from early on. She wasn't hiding the ball completely. She was hiding the details. She was hiding the nuance. She was hiding the, okay, what really happened here? Like what was, what was the incident sort of in question that's, that's going to turn this whole yeah but yeah she does not she gives us lots and lots of lots of clues I was I I feel like I often forgot how young she was yeah that is a yeah. very interesting yeah. fact maybe it was her forced proper way of speaking it was just kind of very awkward right yeah so, but maybe I think that's why I kept forgetting that she was and young. she reminds us a lot but I'm with you every time she did I would yes. go, oh, wow, that's right. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Like, she's only 30. Oh, my gosh. I you know, know. yeah, yes. she, you're right. Like, you do forget it. She does, she does throw it in there a lot. But each time I, I, I was glad she did because it does yes. sort of re jigger something in your head. Like, wow, that it, really is it, crazy. It does. And, you know, it's funny because it, it made me think of, interestingly, it made me think of Marianne from Normal People. Oh. And remember how Kat, when we were talking about it, Catherine reminded us mm-hmm. that she was very young. young. And I remember being taken aback that I didn't think about yeah, that. Yeah, me too. I didn't. Yeah. But I did. I gave Eleanor much more leeway in the being young department when I was reminded of it. Mm-hmm. Because for me, and I, I didn't see any of this as I was reading either book. But now that we're talking about it and kind of you start to see patterns and you start to connect dots and you start to really you know, like a high school English paper, uh-huh. you're, you yep. know, comparing and contrasting, right? I'm sure we um, were both really good at those too. Yes. Oh, <laughs> my favorite. Really my favorite. I realized with Marianne, I felt like she was so much more self-aware. And that sounds harsh to be like, well, you're self-aware, you should be better than this. But as if it discounts the trauma, but it doesn't. I just thought she should have been doing better. And the fact that she was self-aware and what I thought was re-traumatizing herself over and over I was like I lost a lot I lost more patience there here she's young and she's repressed so much that yeah I'm like how can I really think she's an that much of an asshole now, if you're talking about being at a party I'd choose Marianne hey, over Eleanor yeah, any, day. any day and I wasn't a you know I didn't choose no really want to hang no. with Marianne at a party <laughs> no. either but but I really didn't give her any discount for that because she did seem so aware and and self-actualized but just doing the the same thing to herself over and over whereas Eleanor was really clueless and I have personally I just have more of a a a soft spot there and Eleanor's trauma is is more severe I think than Marianne's and I know we're weighing relative traumatic experiences but yeah but there's a laundry list which we'll get to with what's her damage for Eleanor that that I think helps give her a little more you give her a little more leeway agreed agreed Similarity, uh, oh, I, I thought about normal people. I also, this is kind of random and not, and I guess it'll segue us into some scenes, but I also found some similarities to Fleabag. Okay. Tell yeah. me more. <laughs> well, they're, they're sort of, well, first of all, one is, is relatively obvious. It's the fine. 
Eleanor oh. Oliphant is completely fine. Oh, everything's fine. That I, everyone in yes. Fleabag is fine, particularly in season right. one. Yes. And here, everything's fine. Fine, fine, And fine. I think that is probably cultural. Oh. This book is set in Scotland. Ga- um, it, Gail Honeyman is Scottish, yeah. I think it's probably cultural more so than America. I mean, it can run the gamut, but you're not expected to just say everything's fine. Some people overshare how you're feeling and when you're struggling. So there's really no one way to deal with it. Whereas I felt like that was felt to me Fleabag-esque. But the other two are very specific and not at all, you know, cultural or the, or maybe it is, I don't know. Did you catch the fox? Of course I caught the fox. Yes. But I had what? no idea what to... Oh, well, here's the thing that I, I think what? about the fox is okay. that Phoebe Waller-Bridge said in an interview that in London, when you okay. walk around at night, there are foxes everywhere. I got the okay. sense that it's like raccoons here on like Long Island okay. or whatever. Okay. And like, yeah. like they come out at night and they like run the streets like they're in the garbage okay. or everywhere. So that was the only thing I could think of that maybe, maybe. in Glasgow, it's true too. And yeah. like, I like your connection to a, a raccoon, a raccoon, because I think that wouldn't be, if that, that wouldn't be weird to me if everyone was referencing. But it raccoon. was weird here that she has a fox like drinking morning in, coffee. In the day. In the like day. At the bus stop. Yeah. Like that seemed, that really caught, caught me. Cause yes. Yeah. That was very Fleabag. That was. Where's the pre? If hot pre yes. showed up, I would have liked it even better. But the book would have taken a good, a good turn. turn. Yes. <laughs> so that was one that happens on page three hundred six. Just so random, and then of course we won't get into it too much here because we'll talk about it at the end of the scenes. But when she says goodbye to her mother, and we know really she's not saying goodbye to her mother, as we know, mm-hmm. she's saying goodbye to something else. And just like Fleabag made it a point to sort of wave goodbye to us, the camera, at the end of series two. And I was like, look at this. This is some... That's true. Yes. That's... Okay. I did not think of that one. The choice to end both of those those that way right was sort of felt laying something to rest i like that so how about some scenes with eleanor i I mean a lot of mine are best and cringy at the same time right right? and my cringy isn't really cringy it's more like heartbreaking which i know i know cringy we loosely define depending on on the thing and like most of mine with books they really stem from quotes from from, mm. from quotes that I like and then the yeah. scenes around them but I do yes. feel like that happens to me more with the books yes yes that's true right because that's what the the language yes is. you're supposed to be really immersed in the language as opposed to the whole scene yes so what do you what do you have for a quote start? yeah I want to I mean it's pretty early on page 73 or 74 so I don't know if you have something before that but then I go do, for it I do well oh, I mean I don't know how you could really talk about scenes without talking about the wax oh it's fantastic right oh I mean it's so that, good <laughs> first of all it's on page 16 yeah and it stayed with me the entire time I read the book and I don't know I read the book a long time ago and it still stayed with me it's true yeah that you really we really do have to talk about this can I just say like yes. I know she yes. wants this is in the very beginning when she wants to you know be ready for Johnny, the musician. Yes, the fact yes. that the first thing, I mean, and we know she's got a <laughs> lot of shit to fix, right? Her hair's down to her 
her ways. She doesn't want me. I find it so comical that number one on the checklist is a bikini wax. Like we're just getting right to the checklist. Like that. That's what you need to do for. So she goes in just looking for a bikini wax. Claims to not know anything, which is not a stretch for for Eleanor, as we know. And she orders herself the Hollywood, which, <laughs> as we come to, to find out, is... Wait, well, you said the yes. Hollywood, but she had three yes. choices, a French, a Brazilian, or a Hollywood. Now, be honest. Did you know what... I know what a Brazilian is. Did you know what a Hollywood was? Am I embarrassing myself? I did. Am I Eleanor? <laughs> I did. No, I don't think that is embarrassing. I just watch a lot of reality TV. And so okay. I did know what that was. Damn. Um, I'm, yeah. Okay. So she like chose said, the Hollywood. Yes. And after dipping and ripping for <laughs> for many, many periods of time, she is handed a uh, mirror and she looks at herself and she's completely bare. And she's her just, the hand mirror is just the worst. What what the, the take worst. the Nobody. hand mirror back. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need the yeah. hand mirror. I mean, but you have to imagine then that somewhere along the way they've gotten someone who's like, I'm sorry, I see something right right oh, there. Can you get that one? I'm, right. That super, has happened. Super particular. Mm-hmm. They need that hand mirror to the work <laughs> oh, that's been done. God. Okay. <laughs> so she says, This is her reaction. I I felt my fists clenched tight and shook my head in disbelief. I had come here to start to become a normal woman, and instead she'd made me look like a child, <laughs> right? And she goes on to say, the man whom I'm interested in is a normal adult man. He will enjoy sexual relations with a normal adult woman. Are you trying to imply that he's some sort of pedophile? How dare you? Oh, jeez. I, I love this. now, And let me say... Let me say, really, whatever you want to do, that's by all means, you're, that's fine. Go and, for it. And it is, right. And it's not unusual. I really don't think that any woman who chooses to go bare or even, frankly, Brazilian or whatever, go really small is attracting pedophiles. I don't think this is, and I don't think the man that enjoys that necessarily is one, but I do find it completely, I do find it fair, completely crazy. I I do have to agree with this. Like a friend of mine, a college roommate who I will not name, Corinne. Yes, of course, no names. But told me that she did this and I, I, it was also just this particular person. I was shocked, but I'm like, I'm like, like nothing like not even a landing ship like we're talking nothing she's like totally bare i'm like i i i I didn't know what to say i just i don't know i i'm i'm with you yeah yeah well but here's the thing we don't even have to keep talking about bikini waxes we can really bring it to something much more above board and just talk about anyone who's listening to this has ever seen a picture of me is going to know that I'm not down for the Hollywood because I don't even touch my eyebrows. I love your eyebrows, though. I, I am not particularly familiar with hair removal techniques. And I'm super familiar, including laser. And I will, I'm, we're not going to get into that either. Oh, but interesting. Oh, I'm super familiar. And, yeah, okay. But, but if, this is still not free. No, I, no I just, yeah. I can't, not the whole way. Yeah, you know, it just doesn't seem right. And again, like I said, I know I err on one side. I know that lots of people with my eyebrows would not end up with my eyebrows. No, but but I err the other way. I just, I don't think I, not all that way. No. Oh, God. This is definitely more information. You have great eyebrows, though. Thanks. Thanks. (laughs) And and listen, I'm not saying I'm Miranda from Sex and the City. Yes. But I am 
I am, I guess I'm saying I'm very, very low maintenance. And it matters to me. First of all, I've never had a problem with a guy. Never had a guy <laughs> say, that doesn't work for me, ever. <laughs> That's I was not, just going to say, I don't, I th- not working everybody for me. I know who has whatever very particular views on what they want to do, it's for at least from my, my perspective, they've they it's been their own views. Like they okay. wanted it a certain way. I don't know okay, that I've good. ever actually had a female friend be like, Well, my husband or my boyfriend or my significant Wants likes this. it. I don't I mean maybe they're like, Yeah, they like that, but it right. never seemed like that was the motivating factor. It was much more about what their own personal preference. Oh, I'm pretty sure, like to your point, that's like, even more uh, baffling to me. Then, oh, <laughs> like, what, oh, what, what, what oh, do you like about that? Oh, oh my just, god, it's cleaner and I nicer. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what that even means. Oh. I mean, clean. You could clean. I mean, should I? No one shaves their head. It's cleaner. <laughs> I know. No, you fucking wash your hair. It feels better. Okay. Anyway, okay, yeah. all right, it's fine. But but seriously, back to my first yes. point about Eleanor. All of these things yes. you and I have just discussed. I mean, Eleanor doesn't understand any of this. Like no, none of this enters her mind. She has no. So right. the fact and she has that she, no girlfriends right. that she's talking about. So this the fact that about, she found herself yes. in there having this experience. Yes. Oh is my gosh, just amazing. so comical. Yes, it's amazing for us as the reader. Yes, it is. And right at the beginning, you're right. It's a strange, yes, right. strange thing to intro yes. with. It, but, but I thought brilliant. Yes. yes. Brilliant because it show it really, really, talk about show versus show don't tell. Yes. It really shows how isolated she is. I mean, she's clearly never had a girlfriend because uh, that she talks to. I mean. Or watched a reality that, TV show. Or yeah, exactly. Or read Marie Claire or whatever, yes. Cosmo. You yes. know, she does the Paper. crossword. She does the crossword, exactly. Exactly. So it does, it does show you her disconnect from. It does. Sort of no, it, quote unquote normal, like female that's things right. that's yeah, right yeah. that's right or any society yes no it's true it's true <laughs> oh so i i mean i had to start with that that is one of my absolute favorites as cringy as the whole conversation can get around it i thought it was amazing i thought it was a brilliant way to start right right off the and bat. that actually is a great example of a scene that you really do see in your head mm-hmm. versus yes mine which is more of just i love this quote and so this is this is like i said around page 73 or 74 when she's starts thinking could I ever become a musician's muse and Mm. sort of wondering what is a muse anyway and she looks at herself in the mirror and she says I was normal sized and normal faced on one side anyway and then she says did men ever look in the mirror I wondered and find Mm. themselves wanting in a deeply fundamental ways when they opened a newspaper or watched a film were they presented with nothing but exceptionally handsome young men? And did this make them feel intimidated, inferior, because they were not as young, not as handsome? Did they then read newspaper articles ridiculing those handsome men if they gained weight or wore something unflattering? I was like, this right there. So like, good. What a great observation so about yes. the pressures of women that we all hear about and read but to write it from the perspective of does a man ever of course not they don't open magazines and think any of these things and i thought that was really clever commentary yeah and it also it was very clever commentary also it felt so 
real because Eleanor is really starting to just see these things for the first time. Right. Like, could I be someone? And she's she's hoping she can be, but she has to really ask herself, could I be? Given what I'm up against personally and given what society expects of me, am I really, am, is it really possible? And so it just felt very organic and very right that she would be looking at it. And she's just so practical about things. So then she yes, says, yes. right after that, she says, I was healthy and my body was strong. I had a brain that worked fine and a voice, albeit an unmelodious one. Smoke inhalation all those years ago had damaged my vocal cords irreparably. I had hair, ears, eyes, and a mouth. I was a human woman, no more and no less. So she's surprisingly confident, but I don't know if it's confidence or just practical. Like I have, she's very much always saying things like, I have what I need. I'm fine, right? I have all the basic necessities like I have a roof over my head I have this and I have a body it's strong it's healthy I have eyes I have ears and then she then she even says even with the circus freak side of my face my damaged Mm. half was better than the alternative which would have meant death by fire I didn't burn to ashes I emerged from the flames like a little phoenix there are scars on my heart just as thick as disfiguring as those on my face I hope some undamaged tissue remains, a patch through which love can come in and flow out, I hope. And that moment, right, we realize that Eleanor, while not completely fine at all yet, still has a lot of work to do. But this is pretty early on and you start to think that she will be, that, that she is seeing, even if she doesn't know how to get there yet, that there's hope in her. And I really liked that. Yes. And by the way, though, when you're reading it like this, I mean, I I think that's so beautiful and so strong and, and powerful. But when you're reading the whole book and you don't know what happens and you're you're reading it for the whole entire experience, I do remember thinking that was amazing, but also that it was kind of fucked up because she's talking about like winning over this musician that she doesn't even know in real life and you're like she's fucked up but she's got all these she's got this crazy idea literally insane to think she's gonna go and meet this guy and like become his girlfriend but yet she's so fucking practical how like you've got both of those things going on and it's so confusing and conflicting and that's what I love about the character yeah that that's a good point and and that her chasing of that guy though See, for, oh. for whatever reason, that just, I was like, oh, come on. I, don't, I hated it. it was so, and he was such an ass, it, which, of course, we could all yes. see that from his tweets and things, and she didn't really yes. pick so, up on yes. that. Um, yes. Yeah. But, no, I know. No, I did. I was very surprised that that went on as long as it did in the book. Yeah. Right? I was very surprised. I did not like it. But it did, it really did hold the space for constant conflict. And even when you, you know, I know as as a writer, I often think of conflict as like, I said yes, she said no, I said yes, she, you know, mm-hmm. but this is conflict uh, on a on a story level. It's so really rich because you are think you're reading her words and you're seeing her looking in the mirror and you have this moment that's so pure, but also it is, you cannot let go of the context it's in, which is this insane fucking yeah, idea yeah. that she's going to meet so this true. guy, Yes, you know? Mm-hmm. So 
So it, I, I guess I was saying I hated that storyline, but it really served such an important it purpose, did. I it, think, in the whole of the story. And that's how she's going to get to rock bottom. So she does yes. need, need that. Oh, jeez. So that brings me to my next scene, which, man, just knocked me, like, out of my chair. So page 214, it's the day of the concert. Everything was ready. I looked, I looked the part. I felt the part. You know, she's she's going to go meet him. This is it. Like, you feel everything she's feeling. You're anxious. You're scared. You're, you know, like, this is crazy. But also, I don't know. Could she pull it off? Who the hell knows? We're 214 pages into this book, and I have no idea. <laughs> and the last part of that is I was ready to rise from the ashes mm-hmm. and be reborn. There's a lot of, so, of ashes references Yes. Well, as, I know. as there should the fire. be, there's a fire. Yes. Yeah. But then you turn the page and it's it says bad days. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, fuck, more. Yeah. And then I am naked, lying on the floor, looking at the underside yeah. of, of the table. And she goes on to, on a beautiful tangent to just make me hold my breath about what this table is. I mean, it's not clear. She could be under, she could be lying naked because she had sex with That's this guy. That's exactly she, what I was know, thinking. This it could, could be a been table a, in the bar. Exactly. You know? It could be lots of things. Mm-hmm. It's not till the bottom of the page when she says that you really know th- this has taken such a deep turn for mm-hmm. the worse. Yeah. And, and she says, the things are all laid out. And we know the things are 288 pills, painkillers, a bread knife, Mm -hmm. and drain cleaner that cuts through grease and hair and also flesh and internal organs, right? Mm -hmm. So she's she's going to kill herself. Right. And she's already practically done so by drinking. Yeah. More alcohol than anyone Even for herself. Yeah. Than any human being. Would we could. call that an alcoholic current? No, I'm sorry. This I can get on board. This, this yes. I can get on board with. This, she's for sure. This yeah. is more than just an unhealthy relationship with alcohol. Yes, but then so the next ten to twenty pages are. Yeah, this is my th- really mm-hmm. incredibly harrowing. She recounts the concert. You know that Johnny didn't see her. Not shocking, but. You know, she just the way she lays it out, and, the, and then the fire that starts, and then she walks to go get three more liters of yeah. vodka because she's not dead yet, and she doesn't know what how she wants to kill herself. So she goes on that. It's a ten minute walk. Poor Mrs. Dewan. I know. Uh, a ten minute walk that takes her thirty. And she, she looks like about, shit. Her hair is like yes. hey, she looks probably yeah, she, like a and crazy she's gotta homeless be, person. She's got to be fucking wasted. Yes. Wasted. Mm-hmm. She's getting three more liters. And didn't she like um, vomit already? So she smelled oh, like yes. vomit. I mean. For sure. Yeah. Yes. And she talks about, but then she, she goes deeper. She talks about shame. She talks about, she, there's too many quotes to read really. Right. Right? She talks about how little she means to this world, how she takes nothing, how she gives nothing back. Mm-hmm. And that she's been waiting for death her whole life and she doesn't want to wait anymore. Oh yeah! Wow! This is this, yeah. Your this was my scenes too. So I have yes. all these quotes. It's oh, it's terrible. I mean, it is terrible, and it's it was really surprising. I had had it come earlier, maybe it wouldn't have been so shocking. But I've thought by the end of the book, she's kind of gotta, you know, get something together. I don't know. I just didn't expect to be plunged this deep, this into, far. Yes, I agree. I thought she was right? gonna do some weird stalker thing with him. Maybe have an awkward 
exchange right. something and then like her that. realization yes like, this is silly no but no. this went dark driven uh, to to planning to kill herself yeah and yeah. she said there have been times where i might die of loneliness when i felt Ugh. like that my head drops and my shoulders slump and i ache i physically ache for human contact i truly mm. feel that i might tumble to the ground and pass away if someone doesn't hold me or touch me i'm like oh god oh, and, yeah and, and she's got that yeah. loneliness is the new cancer those 10 pages we could pretty much or or 20 pages even we could just read the whole thing it's just she just keeps reaching for more alcohol she wasn't so self-aware but she was she was self-aware as she was going right the the scene you read in the mirror so this does feel very honest and real it feels like something she would be thinking about right now and realizing and yeah and she says in that moment you know no one had ever shown me the right way to live a life. Mm. And then she says, I could mm. not solve the puzzle of me. I mean, yes. in, in the midst of that, she's yes. just like, I don't, A, I don't know how to do it. But yeah, she reminds us because nobody ever showed her how. How could she yeah. with that mother yeah. and that upbringing? I know. And so that's what I certainly related to the most. I did not grow up in a family like this this is not my my fact specific situation but I definitely did grow up removed for several reasons removed from what society expects of you and I think for me it was definitely a class thing when you're when you don't have a lot you're generally a lot less worried about and interested in what you know, society thinks you should be mm-hmm. doing, right? Mm-hmm. Or you're just trying to make it come right. through the day. And that was more of my parents' struggle than it was mine, but I was there and they didn't teach me so many things. And I I thought about it, like when I went, when we went to college, you're all on the same playing field in that moment, right? You're all there, you're all pulled from wherever your home is, you're pulled from your comforts and you're all, all sort of on a level playing field. But in some really ways... Take- in, in some ways, mm-hmm. yes. Well, you appear to be. But I really realized how much people had been taught about life. Yes. <laughs> and basic things that I just was never taught. And I'm very grateful for all my friends for sticking by. I mean, I'm not Eleanor Oliphant. I'm really not. No, I'm not pretending no. to be. But I definitely have that. Uh, so many disconnects that I'm like, this is just, that was not okay to be that way. And I just was. I didn't know. I, I just didn't know. Yeah, you and, know. Yeah, those were the pieces that I could really relate to. And what you just said, that no one ever showed me how. And I'm like, that that is is really powerful. And it's true because when you're not shown how to be in the world, that takes a lot of catching up because you don't even know. Right. I don't even know. Yeah, you don't. And, you know, similarly, when we started at law firms, right, we were you were Mm -hmm. a summer associate in a big law firm. So was I. And I remember that they did this kind of etiquette training and oh. and I thought that's just so weird who needs to sit here and learn what fork to use I mean I know what right. fork to use but the truth right. is I just assumed that everybody there because like to your point if you got there we were right. all kind of on the same playing field you you yes. went to law school you were obviously smart enough to get this job yeah but that's not true Kate right there are people who have not had yeah. the same upbringing or the same experiences yeah and they don't you're the the 
playing field is not as level as you think in some ways. And so right. uh, that was it, so interesting to me. I thought it maybe, yes. oh, okay, like they're actually, now I understand. But at the time I was like, well, what do we need this for? Doesn't everybody right. know this? No. Right. That's so interesting. By the way, I kind of love that your firm did that. I oh, they that. did. Yeah. So that brings me actually beautifully into my last scene. And I, you know, I've enjoyed many books that we've read. I've been affected by many characters, but this is the first one that I actually said to Ian before we started. I'm like, this is the first time I'm afraid I might read something and cry. <gasps> no yeah. way, Corinne. Yeah. I don't think I will. I think I, I think I have it together enough, but it was definitely some of the things she writes, you've read some of them, are just so beautiful and powerful and poignant. And when, when if you've experienced them, even it's even that much more so, right? So my last scene is where Raymond gives Eleanor the cat. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so it starts on, I think it starts on page 267, but by 270, she's regarding this cat and she doesn't really know what to do with it. And she looks at it and she says, I stared into its green eyes and it stared back. I took a step forward and he offered her to me. Mm -hmm. There was a bit of awkwardness as he passed her over, trying to transfer her bulk from his arms into mine. And then all at once, it was done. I held her like a baby, close against my chest and felt, rather than heard, her deep purring. Oh, the warm weight of her. I buried my face in what remained of her fur and felt her turn her head toward me as she gently sniffed my hairline. And and we know that this cat has been burned by yes. some, as Raymond calls them, sick fucks, yeah. right? And so... I'm sure not which, a coincidence. Yes, of course. And also not a stretch, right? It mm -hmm. didn't feel like, oh, come on. No, of the course. The cat was burned too. Right. So that was... The first you know, time I've ever liked a cat. Yeah, me too. I am not a cat person. I know, but, but that... This, the yes. minute he took her, I went, that's such a perfect gift. Yes. And and he was so excited about it, but then he wasn't sure if she was going to take it and how she would react. But as we know, Eleanor took to the cat, who she names Glenn, Which is after her vodka. Her vodka. <laughs> Beautifully. I would have thought, um, you know, Tito's, but I got it. Glenn. Yeah, but she takes to to the cat very well and on page 280 she talks about bringing cat food home for glenn and and how sometimes after counseling sessions i desperately wanted to buy vodka lots of it take mm -hmm. it home and drink it down but in the end i never did i couldn't for lots of reasons one of which was that if if i wasn't fit yeah. to then who would feed glenn mm. she isn't able to take care of herself she needs me. It isn't annoying, her need. It isn't a burden. It's a privilege. Mm. I'm responsible. I chose to put myself in a situation where I'm responsible. Wanting to look after her, a small, dependent, vulnerable creature, is innate. And I don't even have to think about it. It's like breathing for some people. Mm. Oh, and obviously yeah. she's talking about her mother mm. and how her mother couldn't have done that for her, but she does that for herself and she really struggles Eleanor really struggles with being afraid that she's going to be like her mother yeah. and this cat is what gonna really fail the cat but she doesn't that's what keeps yes. her going yes and the cat really proves that it's not even it's not even a question she isn't her mother and and this is this is right for her and, and she can do this and yeah and before something. that it was the plant that she yes. kept alive and yes. and then when in her 
rock bottom when she tossed the plant I thought oh well now that's it I mean she's given yeah. up right because right. that was what kind of kept her keeping that plant alive was yeah. what kept her alive in a way but the cat made it sort of brought yes. it to the next level it is next level it's not a kid it's somewhere between right between well, and them. now the cat would sleep on the pillow next to her and look in her eyes you, you can have a little, a little bit more of a connection with more. a live animal than with a plant yes yes so uh yeah so that was another best and cringiest because how heartbreaking but also how wonderful that she gets there right yes yeah all right well let's move on to the twist Oh, so, we're going to go to the twist now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. you have anything else? No, no, no. Yeah, okay. So the twist, right? I had heard a lot about the twist. Here's the thing about a twist. Yeah. You can't really talk about it. Yes. So what you end up hearing and what I heard a lot of, I don't know about you, what I heard a lot of was, oh my God, the twist. And then I read the book and I honestly, the first time I was kind of like, I don't even know what they're talking about yeah. is the twist. First of all, it's not, it's not completely obvious because there are a few big reveals, right? Which could so, be construed as a twist. Exactly. I mean, one was the one I read, which was you didn't know how this was going to go. And then all of a sudden she's really planning and letting us see her plan her suicide. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of a twist to me. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you're, but yeah. And then the fact that she has a sister that or died. died in the fire, mm-hmm. right? That her mother set the fire intentionally. Yes, that I, you know, I honestly t- thought that was really the twist. Yeah, those are all twists, but obviously we assume it's mostly because it's the last chronologically <laughs> that her that her the fact that her mother dying in the fire is really the quote unquote twist because she's been talking to mummy the whole time. That's we, right, we, or she. She has been, but it's not been a physical person talking back to her. It's all been in her own head. Yes. And people have very, very strong feelings about this twist. Interestingly, Kate, neither you or I had strong feelings about it. No, I do not. Right? But I know that people do. I mean, people love it or hate it. And I... A lot of people say they saw it coming, so they didn't. Yeah. There, there are people who are like, I don't know what the big deal is. So I guess there are some yeah. people like us. I, I wouldn't say I saw it coming. I did not see it coming. I really didn't, but I also wasn't that surprised by it. Right. You know, like some twists where you're like, right. whoa, 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 and you have to like right. read it again. Like, am I, what just happened here? Type thing. Exactly. No, it did not feel like that to me, and it, it didn't alter. Th- things that much for me I mean some some people are like oh then I realized how screwed up she was but (laughs) but I did you didn't realize it before then (laughs) or someone said like I thought she was better but then I realized she's still talk talking to an imaginary person and I was thinking no she is better like she's actually much better she's much better and she's gotten so far in therapy that she can actually talk to this voice in her head and tell that voice, I'm, you're done. Goodbye. I'm not talking yes. to you anymore. I'm yes. so good, actually, that yeah. I'm not listening to you anymore. Yes. You know, so yes. I, I didn't get that interpretation. Yeah, I did. The only thing I did relate to, the only criticism I did relate to was the feeling that it might have been unnecessary. Yeah. I, she could have just been in prison or in some institution and she actually be talking to the phone to her on the phone. And then at the end call her up and say goodbye I don't need to talk to you anymore I don't need to be subject to this anymore I know what happened I'm healing from it and I don't need to 
engage yeah. in this anymore. So I, I did think it was a little unnecessary. I agree with but you. That's how I felt. That it just didn't really add much for me. Yeah. But people do love it. People love... And I look, I'm very guilty of this as a writer. I do love a twist ending that makes you rethink everything that, you know, it's very sixth sense, right? But did this really, that's, I agree with you, but this didn't didn't make you rethink everything. And I think that's the people who criticize that. I tend to agree with that. It actually doesn't make me rethink everything. It could, it certainly could. I def, I don't know. I flipped back and looked, you know, do I see like I'm like is she really lying to us or is she no. just positioning this as a conversation? No, you're. I, I but I did have to go back and go. Hmm, I wonder if I'd, I could catch anything. Yeah, here. it didn't. No, it did not bowl me over. But people have very very strong feelings about it, and and I was ultimately persuaded to finally pick up this book because I didn't pick it up right away by you know a, a friend of mine who I respect saying she loved the twist love the twist all right well it got me to read the book which I'm glad for I really am but I was like I don't know the twist here's the thing about the twist right we've talked about this as writers it is a I think very popular in the last couple years but B can can really go both ways and maybe listen to what worse people like it but then a lot of people hate it like I think it's hard to do well but maybe people having such strong views in both directions is doing it well I mean maybe that is yes because you talk about it exactly yeah it makes you talk about the book yeah Yeah. and it leaves you on that note right at the at the end yes and some do the midpoint twist end twist yeah yes but can we put to rest the dead people like Sixth Sense, uh, <laughs> spoiler, you know, mute, mute your phone for 30 seconds if you're listening to this, but Woman in the Window, it's it, this one. Yes. I mean, be talking to dead people. All I the time, don't, okay? I agree. I'm kind of done, with, done, done with, it. with it too. I'm not even sure I was ever that much of a fan, but I'm certainly with you. Let's, let's say goodbye yeah. to that. Yeah. I actually was really impressed with it in Sixth Sense and then never again. That was a long time ago though. <laughs> it's, it's over people. Let's put it to rest. Yes. All right. So, oh, poor Eleanor and her damage. I mean, how much time do we have? I know. I don't feel like we need to go that deep. It's really, I don't think we need to go that deep. It's pretty obvious. Yeah. It's really, it's pretty obvious. I mean, there are, are, yeah, ones where we have to try and sort of look for damage and, and there's no, there's no looking here. Yeah. You know, Lainey Dalton was somebody who we were really grasping at straws and pulling out, you know, little references yeah. to daddy like, issues. Yeah. And available men or, yes. you know. Yeah. This this is right all out there. But I did want to read one passage that she's when she's talking to her mother. And again, this is early on, so I'm kind of hooked. She's talking to her mother and her mother, she, she's sort of gaining a little more strength. She's talking back to her mother a little bit more. She's... She's standing up for herself a little bit and her mother knows this and is pushing back again. And she's telling her about their bond and that is, it is unbreakable. The two of us are linked forever, you see. Mm. Same blood in my veins that's running through yours. You grew inside me. Your teeth, your tongue, your Mm. cervix are all made from my cells, my genes. Who knows what little surprises I left growing inside there for you, which codes I set running, breast cancer, 
Alzheimer's, you'll just have to wait and see. You were fermenting inside me for all those months. Nice and cozy, Eleanor. However hard you try to walk away from that fact, you can't, darling. You simply can't. It is yeah, it isn't possible to destroy a bond that strong. Like, now talk about mommy issues. Holy shit, that's so creepy. That's like, oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. That was so, intense. So intense. It's so creepy. And yeah, you don't even, we don't even need to go through the laundry list of her damage because you just read that and you're like, oh, yeah. That's just that permeated her entire being. That you know, person this- is fucked up. And... When you know at the end that that's actually her talking to herself, right. it's that's uh, that's what I mean, and that's why when yeah. it's, it's so significant when she essentially silences that voice in her head at the end because yes. that was a powerful, a powerful voice. voice, very yeah. powerful. Yeah, and I had one more quote for for her damage that was just it was all there, but it was a little less obvious than what we've been talking about when she's finally goes to th- Eleanor finally goes to therapy, and the therapist is really pushing her to talk about her needs. And she's, you know, she says to Eleanor, you've described your basic physical needs, warmth, food, shelter, but what about your emotional needs? Mm-hmm. And yeah. Eleanor is, t- is taken aback. But I don't have any emotional needs, yes. I said, and neither of us spoke for a while. I said nothing. Everyone does, Eleanor. All of us, and especially young children, need to know that we're loved, valued, accepted, and understood. I said nothing. This was news to me. I let it settle. It sounded possible, but it was a concept I'd need to consider at more length in the privacy of my own home. Was there ever someone who fulfilled that role in your life, Eleanor? Someone who you felt understood you? Someone who loved you just the way you were unconditionally? I mean, Mm. it's heartbreaking, but, but a real moment for her to think like, God, there were things I really, really needed, as every person does. And, you know, we talk about being seen and being, you know, with with that, yeah. I think, loved unconditionally a lot in this podcast. But, I mean, this is doesn't even... And we talk about how that's best served or how that's best done. But, man, this woman, she doesn't even get it. Although so she does get the, these small acts of kindness, of course, from yes. Raymond and Sammy. So... She does start, she didn't get it though, you're absolutely right, her entire life. And it's only now at age 30 where she's starting to see what that might even look like. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think you're right. They do show her, but they just give it to her. Need is something that should really emanate from yourself, Uh, right? She should know she she needs that. (laughs) And she doesn't at all. And I think you're right. Once she starts getting it now, she realizes that it's nice, you know, but she doesn't even know. You're right that she should should want that or need that. that. Yes, yes, yes. So that was really heartbreaking for her therapist to sort of have to really spell that out for her. Yes. Yeah. What she said are we up to next? So what she said, the author of this book, Gail Honeyman, where are we going to go with this? I don't, I'm not sure. What do you, what do you, you already used, yeah, you already used a good, a really good one. Um, I did, but I have another. Okay, go for it then. So Gail Honeyman said, I suppose if I had to suggest anything to Eleanor, I believe the question I should say was if the interviewer asked her if you were going to give advice to Eleanor, what would you tell her? 
And she said, I suppose if I had to suggest anything to Eleanor, it would be that she should keep trying to open up. It's great that she's Mm. self-sufficient and confident in her abilities, but other people have so much to offer, and she's been missing out on this. The other thing is that while it's wonderful to receive help when you need it, it's also lovely lovely feeling to be able to give it, knowing that you've been useful or made a difference in someone's life, however small. Mm. If Mm. Eleanor opened up more and in doing so let people in, she'd also be giving them the gift of allowing them to help her. It's a positive, virtuous circle. Aww. I know. And she talks in a lot of interviews about small acts of kindness and about being open. And I this quote made me think about a conversation I had with a friend recently. And this friend of mine is always saying, oh, I'm a private person. You know, I'm just very private. Mm, like I, I don't okay. like to share, you know, personal information or or I'm just I'm just very private, you know, even with friends. Mm. And I keep saying in response, you know, that while you don't need to overshare, you know, personal right. things about yourself all the time, being private or not opening up can really be a shield. And yes. my yes. main point, now I tend to overshare, I'll be perfectly honest with, with people, but, <laughs> but, and my friend knows this. So I'm like, I'm, you don't need to be me. But I right. said, my main point always is yeah. that she'd be surprised how good it feels sometimes to share things with other people about yourself because what inevitably happens is it allows them to open up to you and then you're having a genuine conversation or a genuine yeah. relationship yes. W- yes. where you're getting back as much as you're giving. But you yes. can't do that if you're always closing yourself off. Yes. Yes. And I just feel like, you know, you end up realizing that you're not alone. You know, you share something right. which might seem random or, oh gosh, why am I telling you this? It could be right. to a friend or some person sitting next to you on the plane. And then somehow they share something back and then you realize that other people sometimes are feeling the same way or experiencing the same thing. Yeah. You know, Eleanor has a moment like that in the book where she's like, well, I know no one when when Raymond is trying to get her to talk to someone or talk to him or talk to anyone. And she's like, no one has had my particular situation. No one. Right. And so so that prevents her from saying anything. But and you and I talked about this just before we started recording. I obviously have had I have almost nothing in common with Eleanor Oliphant on the surface, right? Any facts of of our our lives. But I could deeply relate to some of the struggles that she was going through. So you don't know what someone can relate to and what they won't relate to. And it doesn't mean the facts have to be exactly the same. It could be that, you know something that's going on in your relationship reminds somebody of what happened with their parent or exactly. with you know their sibling or whatever it is you the the essence of what you're struggling with can be relatable in in non-fact specific ways right exactly and yeah so and and this person has a lot of friends is a social person so right, not like sure. eleanor but right but doesn't feel like they're really meaningful connections and my point mm. is always because you're not Right. opening up and letting someone they don't feel like they really know you yes you know even right. if they have technically known you for 20 years or whatever yes yes you yes. if you don't let people in yeah. they'll never and they'll just i don't know i i i think yeah. that 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 was eleanor's journey on this too that she finally opened up and and yeah. look what happened once she did that i mean for her with sammy and with raymond and i i yeah. thought that was great yeah 
And, you know, not to stay with this for too much longer, but what you just said made me think also, and I've been accused of this, or not accused is the wrong word, but, and also other people, sometimes people overshare, but they're not sharing the meaningful stuff, right? That's fair. Yeah, right? So that that's how you get a meaningful connection with someone is by by being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And if you're oversharing, you know, your the exact specifications of your bikini wax, that's not yeah. going to make someone you're not feeling vulnerable and then in turn the other person's not going to feel vulnerable and there's not not going to be that that cycle that she talks that yes. Honeyman just talked about in that quote. That was great. I did not read that. I guess what I was wanted to talk about was and this is always the way of it that I'm I'm more intrigued by their actual personal lives than than the them writing the book or or having to develop the character or the story. So Honeyman is not Eleanor. She is not. But after college, she came back to Scotland and really settled into backroom jobs as as she called them. Mm-hmm. She was a civil servant specializing in economic development and then an, an administrator at the I think she went to Oxford yeah or so there she was an admin and she had shown an aptitude for writing in school but didn't ever pursue it didn't think it was something to Mm -hmm. pursue and then her 40th birthday she made the decision that it was now or never and she says it was such a cliched thing to do Mm -hmm. either that or go off and do a bungee jump she says exactly but she did she went the writing route despite it being a cliched thing to do she joined a writing group and then this book was her debut yes. and it incited a bidding war. Yeah. She ended up getting, I think, high six, six figures, four rounds of bidding at the auction. I mean, this is a big That's deal. Big. Espe- yeah, mm-hmm. especially for a debut author. It's a big and kind of really exciting story, right? Yeah, and then Reese, um, of course, Reese yes. Witherspoon picked it yes. for her book club and optioned it. And oh, yeah. that is still in the works from what I can tell. I think it is, yes. And even despite that, so that, and she gets that nice little pretty yellow and white sticker Mm -hmm. on the cover of everything, which just tells you Reese Reese approved, but sold it in 30 countries, you know, high advance. She quit her job to then do this full time. And that's pretty amazing story. And she seems genuinely shocked by it herself. Very unassuming. Yes. And... That's just yes, not she does not give there are not a lot of interviews. There's not a lot out there about her. She's she does maintain her privacy. But the story of how this book came to be and that everyone wanted it when maybe people would have said this is too late for me. This is not you know, I'm I'm nearing 40. This is it. There's, yeah, I'm never going to be a famous writer. And mm-hmm. now here she is. And yeah. We're talking about her on her and podcast. she's working on her second one. Yes. So yes. Good for her. Yes. Good for her. I love that story. All right. I didn't... What? I was going to say, are we looking into the crystal ball? Uh, Are we? Are we looking into the crystal ball, Kate? I really had nothing good for this. Did did you come up with something that you want to share? Well, no, not really. I mean, I, I, I mean... I solely rely on you for all forms of entertainment when it comes to the crystal ball. I mean, I've maybe pulled a few gems out here and there, but you have a a couple, but this is definitely not one of them. I mean, the only thing I will say, because this is just so typical me and wanting to believe in the love story is that after 
what I do think needs to be a lot more therapy in the next six months, year, or perhaps the rest yeah. of her life. I, I don't know how on the five-year plan you can't root for Raymond and Eleanor. Yes. I, I mean, 100%. that's obvious. I did. I mean, yes, maybe I yes. it's a cliche, but – and I know Gail Honeyman said that she wanted to very specifically explore platonic friendship in this story. And, yes. and I think for the purposes of this book, right. she wasn't in a place for romantic relationship, yeah. and that was appropriate now. But in part two, you know, I see five years out – I do yes. think I see it and relationships, you know, the foundation I think has to be trust. And I think for someone like Eleanor, that's always going to be hard given what's happened yeah. to her. But that yeah. is already there with Raymond. Yes. And she can trust him and be vulnerable. And he's such a, such a nice guy. So that's all I would say yes. in my crystal ball is that I hope I'm rooting for them in it. Well, you know, it's interesting. Honeyman had a quote about the Raymonds of the world. Yeah, she, she said, thinks there are lots of them. Yes, I think there are a lot of Raymonds yeah. in the world. Ordinary, kind, decent men who don't often get featured in fiction. And I think so, that's great and true. Yes. Although I think Harry from When Harry Met Sally would fundamentally disagree with her premise that <laughs> they can really have this wonderful platonic friendship. But but I think just to her general point that there are really decent, nice guys out there that don't get. Yeah, I think they have had the platonic relationship. And I do think I did. Yeah, that was that was my only thought, too, was, you know, here's the thing with the crystal ball. I like to imagine like a whole new phase. Yeah. So in that phase, I'm going to imagine one or both if it's a couple or someone's going through the ringer again, right? In a different way, but there something's going to happen to them. And I couldn't do that to Eleanor. No. <laughs> I just couldn't imagine. I really, mine was five years they're married and, and starting a family because I think she'd be a wonderful mother at this point, you know, having healed herself the way she is and, and on that trajectory. Yes. I see that 100%. Yes. But that's okay. kind of, bo- I mean, it's kind of it's boring. It's boring. I know, I know. But I couldn't do anything bad to Eleanor. I, oh, she's she's already been through it. I couldn't do has. it. So let I her really have her happy ending of some exactly. sort. Yes, I'm I'm good with that. I'm okay. I can I can set aside my creativity, my wild imagination for for the better <laughs> of of her. Good, good. Oh, and so how about takeaways? I really already revealed mine, which was inspiring in the Gail Honeyman story. I do just enjoy. And I don't know what it is, call it pivoting, call it second act, whatever you want to call it. I love that it's kind of a thing now. I mean, and it's not even an an age thing. Like, you know, I just like the idea that you can be and do more than one thing for real, right? And there are people who have talked about Christina Tosi and, you know, and that whole podcast, Second Act, you can have a lot of success in one area of your life and then pivot and also have enjoy success, whether that's of the same kind or a different kind, you redefine it for yourself, whatever it is. I just love it because life is way too long to be boxed into one thing. I couldn't agree more. So it doesn't sound like Honeyman had the best you know, it wasn't like she was enjoying her life immensely. And then hers seemed more like a sort of a desperation, like I got to do it. It's now or never. But it doesn't even have to be that way. Reese Witherspoon has certainly mm-hmm. had it, right? Yes. You know, you have a six, long and successful career as an actress. And what else can you do with it? You can pivot a little and 
and go on the on another side of of things and find more success and bring something to the table there I find it just so I find it both exciting and so natural and obvious like thank god we're getting here right because why does it only have to be one thing I can't I don't know but it better not be that's no I'm I'm with you I will not accept that so let's no whether it's popular or not but I am glad that it is getting more attention and I'm totally with you my takeaway was that this book reminded me really at every turn just how much I take for granted Mm -hmm. I mean there's a line when she's at Keith's birthday party where she says all the people in the room seem to take so much for granted that they would be invited to social events that they would have friends and family to talk to that they would fall in love be loved in return perhaps create Mm -hmm. a family of their own and I read that and I thought, Jesus, Kate, oh, you know, like yeah. you are so fortunate. You do have yeah. all these things in your life. You know, I have friends and family and people to talk yeah. to and parties yes. to go to and just basic constant human interaction. Right. 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 And yes. and what Honeyman reminds me of with Eleanor Oliphant is that not everybody does. And yeah. she I know that was the impetus. She talks about it in all her interviews for the book that. You know, she read some story about loneliness, about a person who went like, you know, a whole weekend when they leave work and before they were without ever speaking to anyone. Yeah. And and secondarily, it was also that even when they do, when when it's not as extreme as Eleanor, where people just literally don't interact with others, but Mm -hmm. that for a lot of people, that kind of social interaction is very hard. And Mm. I was just at a work event, as you know, all weekend for a new job where I had to meet and socialize with literally, you know, at least 100 new colleagues. And I am the definition of an extrovert. I, 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 right. I, I it literally, it it literally energizes me that that is the definition after hours of talking to new people. In, yes. in the social situation, I feel energized. I realize that that is not true for maybe another 50% of the population. I don't know yeah. between extroverts <laughs> and introverts. I don't yes. know what the what the numbers are. but And I know and I'm reminded by, by some friends of mine who are introverts that, and I've read the, lots of books on this and things, that, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. you know, we live in a world that really does praise or prize extroverts and I take that for granted because I am like that and Mm. people for whom it is that exact experience is draining is the opposite I just I can't understand it really but I I've read enough about it to know understand it intellectually but I can't it just doesn't make any sense to me and reading this I thought Jesus like there are a lot of people that Again, it doesn't have to be extreme as her, but this is really hard, just human interaction. Right, right. It It is. And and Gail Honeyman said that too. She's like, you know, there's a fortunate few people who are blessed with the ability to make effortless, charming small talk with strangers. And the rest of us just try to muddle along as best we can. I think we talked about this before, but Ian is certainly one of those people. He is an introvert and it is a more challenging situation for him. But he has found tricks. And one of his tricks is he just plants himself. He plants himself in a spot. And he has some really great stories or observations. And someone comes over to him, they want to talk about sports. Or someone comes over and they want to talk about 
business, mm-hmm. whatever it is, he's got at the ready great stories interesting facts he's so engaging and interesting but then he just waits for like the next person yes, to come in he, it out of his, mm-hmm. he pulls it out of his like rolodex of stories here's my you know here's what you want to talk about here's my contribution yeah and it's how he manages, manages that because he is so he is he does come off as effortlessly charming but it is work for him but he's found a way that makes it work mm-hmm. for him too so but yes for sure kate you are on such the end of every spectrum that well in that, that, that but I do take you. it for granted I do sometimes and, and it's just the way you are I, it's easy to take that for granted because how else would you not take it for granted I, it's just who you are right you know right it is that's true that's fair yeah it's just who you are <laughs> yeah um, oh this was a nice reminder for me all right Kate will you recommend Eleanor to people I think so because like I said I I, I might not have fallen in love right away but I did come around and she is very endearing and and I do think that lots of people like yourself have are drawn in much faster and yeah and yes I would the good thing is I you know darn I wish I could I wish I had this fact in front of me but luckily you don't really have to recommend or not recommend this because I think it's on I think it's like number 24 on the most read books of all time just weekly or something yes holy moly yeah. maybe not all time maybe it's a, a shorter period of time but i mean it only came out like three years ago yeah so, yeah so you That's don't really tremendous. have to recommend it or not most no. people have read this exactly book. yes we're a little late coming to it hopefully people are still interested i hope so i hope they'll listen this has been pop fiction women with corinne and kate If you enjoyed this show, please tell the complicated women in your life. And the men who love them. Yes, tell them to listen. And then to follow on Spotify or review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And of course, share on social media. Tag us with your favorite books, TV shows, and movies starring complicated women on Facebook and Instagram at popfictionwomen or on Twitter at pop underscore women. For more coverage of the women you love, or to find out if you qualify as a complicated woman, go to popfictionwomen.com. And keep it complicated.